Father, thank you for bringing us here together. We thank you that as we uh, hear your word, that it will produce faith in our hearts, that we'll be able to accomplish those things that you've called us to do. We thank you, Lord, for all that we're going to hear, learn, and do. In Jesus' name we pray, and all agreed said, amen. Let's welcome Jaquise. All right. We, thank you. Hey, you guys give yourselves a hand. There you go. Hello, hello. So I see we have a few returning faces today. So a couple of you guys were here uh, last week. How many people were here last week? Okay. And so that means for first timers, where my first timers at for this? All right. Welcome. Hello, hello. All right. Well, you guys are in for a treat because I've built into tonight's lesson a little recap of what we did the first week. So you'll get a little bit of taste of that in case you missed it. Did anybody else go back and um, listen to it on the website? Pastor said he uploaded to the, yeah, I did too. And I realized I was um, using it as a study tool, you know, for myself, for my training and speaking um, We were speaking earlier about how we develop our speaking habits and things like that. And I realized I know that I'm a fast talker, but I would always try to say, well, oh, you know, people would say, well, are you nervous? And I would say, not really. And I couldn't figure out what it was because I know I'm not nervous. I know I'm not anxious. I know what it is that I do. I enjoy doing what I do. And then it dawned on me, the Holy Spirit said, you have so much adrenaline in your system when you get up there to speak and so much passion that it just keeps going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny. And I said, okay, that I can, I can you know, I can buy that, you know. So I said, okay, that's still a, a good thing. But no, it's definitely an honor and a privilege every time I get to come and speak the word and to have such beautiful audience to present to tonight. So um, I hope you guys are ready as always. Well, last week we mentioned that this is a very in-depth study, so there's a lot of information to try to absorb. So you can take notes at your leisure. I have a PowerPoint that's going to help you keep on track to what we're talking about tonight. And then again, if it is uploaded to the website, you'll be able to go back and review and take notes in that manner as well. But we want to make sure that we not just sort of, you know, eat the word, we want to digest it, right? We want to digest it and get result out of it. So with that being said, again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for those of you who don't know me. Again, my name is Jacquees Edmonds, and I have the pleasure of bringing you the fundamentals of faith. And so I think last week we went till about 8.30, and we probably will be out of here more around 8 o'clock tonight, so we may or may not take a 10-minute break. So please feel free if you need to get up to use the restroom or um, take a phone call or whatnot to just go ahead and do that, and we will just keep the wheels spinning here. Um, basically, you guys, what I want to be able to do, and I hope this is your goal too, because you didn't come out here tonight for nothing. I didn't come out tonight for nothing, so I don't want anybody to leave empty-handed, okay? So I need you guys to have an expectation to hear from God tonight, and when you do, he will definitely be faithful to provide you with what it is that you need, what it is that you're looking for. My goal every time I teach is always to help you increase. Who likes increase, right? I like, sometimes we increase in the wrong ways, right? But, you know, I like to increase in the knowledge, right? Increase in your understanding and increase in your ability to appropriately apply what it is that you're going to learn here tonight. So hopefully you guys will leave out of here with increase on your mind. Amen? 
All right, so with that being said, I am going to start with a quick recap of week one. So that's going to be our first slide. We're just going to go through really quickly um, some of the key points that we talked about on week one because we had to identify first and foremost, why are we spending four weeks talking about faith? We said, why is faith so important, right? The fundamental or the foundational scripture that I highlighted for our purpose in studying faith is in Hebrews 11:6 that says, without faith, it is what? Impossible, absolutely impossible to please God. And I said, each and every one of, each and every one of us are here tonight because we want to please God, right? So that's one of many reasons, one of many reasons why faith is so important. And as we go through our lesson, we're going to see that some of the information we spoke about on week one, some of the information we're going to talk about tonight, as well as for the next two weeks, there's going to be a lot of overlap, okay? But that's good because you want to be able to absorb as much on different levels, right? You want to get the full capacity of what faith is. So it's going to hopefully really resonate if you hear the same thing over and over and over again, okay? So faith is important mainly because without it, we can't please God. And we talked about what the difference between real faith is, real Bible faith, not just faith that, you know, people in society or the world talks about just believing, Biblical faith is a lot more than just believing. It means that we have to believe, we have to trust, and we have to act on what we believe God's word says, right? So there is a twofold piece to faith, and that is action and belief. Action and belief. We talked about faith being a lifestyle, a lifestyle, a way of life. This is how we live. We looked at several scriptures that talked about God's command for us to live by our faith. So again, this is what I wake up every morning purposing to do, is to live by my faith. And you guys are gonna see when we get into tonight's topic, again, why that is so important. So we also looked at why, um, actually, how do we get faith? We talked about how do we get faith, right? And we did a little demonstration. First and foremost, your faith is a gift from God. That's what we identified, that God gave us all the gift of faith because we need faith to be able to even believe in him. That's actually one of the answers to the next question, why do we need faith? And then I did this demonstration where I held up, I think I even still have them in here, let me see. Just for those of you who weren't here, you'll get this, this piece too. There was an, oh, did I take them out? No, I didn't, here we go. Okay, so God gave us all the gift of faith and we identified that he gave us all the same measure of faith, because we agreed that it would be very unfair for our Father to give us one person of faith that looked like this and another one that looked like this. So I have two balloons in my hand, and one is a lot bigger than the other one. So if we're all trying to live this life by faith, the playing field would not be fair if it was like this. So God gave us each the measure of faith, which means we all have the same measure, okay, these two balloons are exactly the same size, but what do we have to do with our faith? Each and every one of us is responsible for strengthening and exercising and building and growing our faith, right? So the effort you put into blowing up this balloon here, right, is going to determine 
the result that you get from that faith. So God gave it to us. It's our job now, ladies and gentlemen, to strengthen it and grow our faith. And then so why do we need it? We need it to please God. We need it to even believe in God. We identified that the scripture says that through faith and patience, faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. So if you're like me and you're standing on the promises of God, the word says that it is your faith and your patience that is going to be what makes that come to pass or part of that formula that makes it come to pass. Now, I have to make sure that I have my trusty handy dandy notes here. Um, we talked about faith being like a muscle too, right? And that's how we gave an ex, uh, a demonstration of how we strengthen and grow our muscles, how everybody in the room has the same number of muscles in their body, but not everybody works those muscles out the same way as everybody else, right? So that's just another demonstration of what we need to do actively to get our faith to work and why we need it. Possessing the promise, right? Everything in the kingdom of God operates by faith. He's a faith God. Everything. Right? So it's, I've heard it say this way, faith is the currency of heaven, right? So if you want to access anything that heaven has, and God says his will is for there to be what? Heaven on earth, right? So we're going to need faith to access those things in our lives. So these are just very practical things, right? They're practical. A lot of times we say it sounds simple, but it's not always easy, right, to walk it out or to execute it. So that's why we take the time to intentionally, intentionally come, sit and understand and go through scriptures and learn this stuff so that we can gain the victory that God already promised to us. That's what your faith is going to do. It's going to give you access to the victory that Jesus died for you to have. So I think faith sounds kind of important, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So how does faith work? We're going to kind of go through this recap again. Um, faith works by love. According to the scripture, faith works by love. We said that if you are standing in faith and believing God for something, make sure that your love walk is appropriate. Okay? And that just simply means don't hold on to unforgiveness. It'll block your faith from working to its fullest capacity, okay? Let's just not be real legalistic about it, but again, there are things that kind of short-circuit your faith, if you will, in unforgiveness or not walking in love is one of them. We also said that in order for your faith to work, you cannot have doubt and faith operating at the same time. But we were very clear to identify that that doubt he's talking about is doubt in your heart, right? Doubt in your soul, right? Sometimes we'll have doubts in our head, and that's just a part of being human, okay? But it's what you do with those doubts, and we're going to talk about that in depth tonight that's going to affect your faith. So purpose to not have any doubt, purpose to walk in love, and purpose to put the appropriate action with your belief, and that is how your faith is going to work. In a nutshell, let's just say, okay? So that's like a quick recap of some of the main points that we went through, and then I assigned an action plan at the end of the lesson. And that action plan was for you guys to go home, right, and to simply 
ask yourself, did you learn anything new, right? Or was there any new understanding or revelation that came to light as a result of what was presented? So you needed to kind of do a self-examination uh, in that regard. I asked you to at identify your areas of need where your faith was a little bit weak and needed to be strengthened. Okay, a lot of us know what our weak points are, right? We know what we struggle with. So that was your opportunity to go home and pray and ask God to help you strengthen those areas of your life where your faith is not as strong as it should be. And this is something, ladies and gentlemen, that we should be doing all the time, all the time. You have to be self-aware. You have to self-examine yourself to know where you are so that you can know how to get to where you want to go. And I think the last part of that, I was asking you guys to locate scriptures that supported the promise that you were believing God for. If you are believing for healing, you need to have a scripture that you can stand on and meditate on and confess regarding that healing until it comes to pass. If you are in need of something, you need to be able to have a scripture that speaks to the promise that God said he will meet your need. Okay, so these are the ways that we become, what I said last time, an active participant in our own destiny. Okay, yes, God has a plan, and we want to align our will with that plan, but we want to not passively just kind of sit and hang out and say, okay, I'm going to wake up today and we'll just see what happens, and whatever happens, I will react to that. No, we can be proactive. We have a word, we have a promise that never changes, and that's how we can go out there and we can be assertive and we can be proactive in getting those promises to be accelerated in its manifestation. So there is no reason for us to feel less than. There's no reason for us to feel unempowered. And I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it tonight, okay? You are empowered to bring change into your life and faith is exactly what you need to make that happen. So, yes, sir. Faith without works is dead. Absolutely. And we talked about that, and we identified that, and it actually says it more than once in the book of James. And I was always taught that if God has to repeat himself, pay attention, because he's not doing it because he forgot, but because we sometimes forget, right? So there is an emphasis on the fact that absolutely faith is proactive. I talked about faith being both a noun and a verb, okay? So that is something to always remember, okay? So thank you for uh, that comment and the feedback, and uh, the rest of you guys can feel free to do the same thing if you want to. It's a very small group tonight, so we're going to have uh, lots of opportunity that if you want to be able to, you know, share or comment. So um, please feel free to do that, okay? So with that one week one recap, again, I'm sure you can go back if you would like to and listen to the tape if you weren't able to take the full notes on that. But I wanted to make sure that we highlighted some of the key points that we talked about now, I recognized when I went back and studied this week one that there was a topic that I left out. And I don't know if I did it, you know, I don't think I did it intentionally, but there was a lot of information that we had to cover. And one of the things that I forgot to talk about that I'll introduce tonight is actually on our, uh, let's see, I think it's on our 
Next slide. Yes, this one here. The difference between faith and faithfulness. Okay. For those of you who weren't here, we talked about at the end the difference between faith and foolishness. You guys remember that when we talked about faith does not mean that we can lose our common sense, right? <laughs> so this one here is what I wanted to plug in to identify the difference between faith and faithfulness. Faithfulness is actually one of the fruit. It's a gift. It's one of the fruit of the nine spirits. No, that's not right. Nine gifts of the fruit of the spirit. Thank you. <laughs> and so it's one of the things that we already have gifted to us. And I said, okay, well, then we need to know what that is. Basically here, what it's telling us is that faithfulness means to employ or use patience until your faith produces the result that you are expecting or believing for. Okay, so you have faith, right? You're acting on it. You're trusting on God. You're believing in God. And faithful me faithfulness means that you continue to exercise patience until it produces the result that you are expecting and believing for. Faithfulness is a test of your commitment to continue acting on what you believe. Because again, we talked about the fact that it takes time. Manifestation takes time. So you don't want to give up on standing in belief of God's word. Being faithful in your faith means you don't give up, you don't cave in, and you don't quit. It is evidence of your hope in God's word. Okay. Yes? Okay, so can you give me an example of the, the second line where you say faithfulness means to employ? Mm hmm. Um, and then you have patience. And, I mean, so, because I'm more of a visual kind of person. Okay. So when you read it, you're like, okay, got it, but now really got it. Okay, so. She's asking what does it mean, faithfulness means to employ uh, patience or use patience. It's basically saying that if I were, there's actually a, um, another example that I wanted to use that the Bible talks about, and I'll see if I can include this in this. The Bible says that we should have what's called childlike faith, right? You guys are familiar with that, right? So if you think about this, and I'll give you a visual, uh, was it, What's your name? Rudy? Rudy. Rudy said, no, somebody told me they had a, ah, it was Dominic, said that he had a three-year-old nephew, I think it was, or something he was talking about, and it gave me the image of a toddler running around. Okay, if you were to tell that three-year-old that, guess what, on Saturday, we're going to Disneyland, right? That three-year-old, childlike faith, they don't need to see the tickets, they don't need to know how you pay for it. They don't need to know how you're going to get there. They will go run and tell all their little friends, guess what? Mommy and daddy or uncle and auntie said, we're going to Disneyland. And they'll start confessing, right, from the jump, what it was that they were told, okay? And they don't need any proof. They don't need to understand. They just flat out believe you. But today is Wednesday, right? Saturday's a couple days away. You have to employ patience and be faithful to stand on that promise that we're going to Disneyland day after day after day until we get to Saturday and we're actually walking through the doors. And so faithfulness means you have faith to believe that we're going to Disneyland, but now you have to employ faithfulness, which is that patience to stand firm and not waver. That's the other word. Don't faithful means, faithfulness means we do not waver in the belief of that promise coming to pass, okay? So it's very important that we um, exercise patience in 
the fulfillment of the promise coming to pass. That's what faithfulness, so that's what it means to employ patience. Put it to work. Put your patience to work. It has a job to do, and its job is to help you stand firm until manifestation. Does that help out a little bit in clearing that up? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it tied in a little bit, like I said, another point that I wanted to make about having um, childlike faith. And because a lot of times we get hung up on the fact that God is asking us to trust him and believe in something that we can't see. But if you think about it, we do that all the time. Another great example that I remember someone long ago taught me about faithfulness and faith and patience and, and how we sometimes hold God to a different standard than we hold man to. I don't know about you all, but there is a good majority of my adult life that I spent working for someone else in corporate America, okay? And the way it works, from what I remember, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, is that you will go in on Monday, and you will work Monday eight hours, Tuesday eight hours, Wednesday, and so forth and so on, all week. You'll do that two weeks in a row sometimes before they actually hand you a check and pay you, right? So were you working by faith? Absolutely, you were working, you were trusting and believing that the man was gonna pay you like he said he was at the end of your hard work and your labor and you had nothing to go by other than his word, right? But when it comes to God and he gives us a promise in his word that says, you know, I will meet all of your needs and it's the 31st and the rent's due on first and we're thinking, okay, you know, what, what's gonna happen? And we start going and trying to make things happen in our own strength that goes against things that God wants us to do. We start, you know, making compromises and doing things and God is saying, why don't you believe all the way through till the end. Don't waver in what it is that I'm going to tell you. Have more faith in me than you do in man. And that's hard because, again, it goes against our, our flesh, our human side of us, right? We want to reason and rationalize things. And faith and reasoning, which is what we're going to be talking about tonight, they really don't mix all the time, unfortunately. But God's word is true, and it never fails. So it takes practice. That's a good point. It takes practice. You're not going to be excelling in mastery of faith unless you put it to work and allow it to prove itself out. Okay? So faithfulness is your commitment. I just left that part out of last week, and I wanted to make sure you guys had that understanding. We're good? All right, so let's go on to our next slide, which is going to bring us into tonight's topic. Conflict management. That's what I named the title of this because there is this tug of war, ladies and gentlemen, going on between our flesh and our spirit man. And that means that our faith and our feelings are at odds with one another a lot of times, right? And we're going to have to learn how to live by the spirit of God and not live by our emotions. Oh, Lord, talk about, you know, we, we have an understanding that it may be hard for a three-year-old to sit in a room like this for an hour or two and not get up and get all, you know, antsy and things like that. They're going to they're gonna be tired and they're going to be crying, they're going to be hungry, and they're going to have emotions, you know. But how many times do we act like that as adults when we don't get what we need or what we want right away? Our emotions take over. And sometimes that can lead us down a wrong path. So we're going to talk tonight about how to live by 
the Spirit of God and not by our emotions. Okay? So let's start this one off with the next slide. Tonight's message on faith versus feelings is rooted on the foundational scripture of 2 Corinthians 5, 7, one of my favorite scriptures, and I say that about a lot of the scriptures in the Bible, but this one here that says that we live by faith and not by sight. Some of the translations, the New King James Version, which most of us learned that by, says we walk by faith and not by sight, right? This right here, ladies and gentlemen, this scripture, along with every other word in the book of this Bible, is a command and not a suggestion. Nothing in the word of God is a suggestion because God is saying to you here that if I speak it, it should come to pass. So it's not a suggestion, it is a command to live by faith and not by sight. So what I wanted to do was break down that word sight, because sometimes it's a little elusive. We don't really know what that means, because we think of sight, and we think of our eyes, what we see, right? But sight, biblically speaking on this scripture, actually is talking about all five of your natural senses and your emotions. So what you can hear, taste, touch, feel, uh, I left one out, see, that sight, thank you very much, <laughs> and the way that we feel. So it says to live by faith and not by sight. Live by faith and not by how you feel, okay? Our ability to effectively manage our emotions in a healthy and productive manner is required in order to successfully learn how to live by faith. So this is one of those things where I say, okay, that's a nice scripture. We've heard it. We know it but it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, to tell yourself when you are running hot on emotions to check yourself and live by your faith instead. So we're gonna learn how we can actually do that. So we live by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Sight means that it's not just our eyes, but it's all of our physical, natural senses, and it refers to our feelings and emotions. So let's go on to our next slide and see in depth some more information about this, this conflict here between faith and feelings. Faith and feelings are not always in alignment. They're like oil and water sometimes. They just don't always mix, okay? That is because faith is a supernatural component and your feelings are a natural component, meaning that feelings and emotions that's the soul part of you. Your faith is the supernatural or the spirit side of you. So I don't want to try to convolute it too much or get too deep into it, but you guys, can we all agree that we are tripart beings? So we have spirit, soul, and body. So that's what this distinction is kind of talking about here. It's making you recognize the fact that the reason why it's so hard to control our emotions because they reside in our soul and our soul isn't saved yet, okay? We are saving our soul every single day that we live by this word. Our spirit man, when we got saved, was renewed and made whole and made perfect, okay? But that is where the conflict comes in at. So then why did God give us emotions? Well, he gave us emotions as a gift 
to help us fully experience life. Could you imagine trying to experience and live life without emotions? It sort of acts like this compass or this guide to help you stay on track as you live day by day. Because what it does, if it acts like a thermostat, your emotions are gonna tell you if you're running too hot or if you're maybe even running too cold, okay? And so we're gonna look at the fact that these differences are very important for us to learn how to regulate our emotions or how to calibrate our emotions. There's so much that I hear about how, how many times have we said this? I, I can't help myself, right? Sometimes we say that, it's just, or I just, I just felt like it, so I just did it, or, or it, that kind of thing. And in some cases, again, it's not too bad, we're gonna, you know, but in some times, it can be very, very detrimental to our destiny. So I want you to be thinking as we go through this here, on a day-to-day -day basis, are you purposing to not be ruled by your feelings, but to examine is what I'm feeling lining up with what God says, okay? Because that's going to help, again, position you to accelerate the manifestation of the promises. Yes, ma'am. I'm so not getting it. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry. Give me a... I'm getting the, the soul, and I'm not understanding how the word God will choose the feeling and the Okay. So just for the sake of conversation tonight, when we talk about spirit, soul, and body, okay? So we know body is the physical body. Spirit and soul. The soul is that part of you where your emotions, your personality, your intellect those things that are intangible, but most of the time people say that's what makes you you, okay? And the spirit man, so if we're talking about the soul man and the spirit man, right? The spirit man is the spirit man that's made perfect. It's that part of you that is completely in line with the supernatural, and faith is a supernatural experience, okay? We talked about it last week being our superpower, right? And our faith is our, our superpower. So this right here, what you'll want to do is just kind of put a, an asterisk or a star by it, right? For you to do an, a little bit more study about the difference between the natural man and the supernatural man. And that will give you a little bit more clarity on the fact of feelings versus faith. And then maybe by the time we're done tonight, it'll also give you a little bit more insight because we're going to uh, separate or dissect is a better word, a little bit deeper into what this means. But just kind of roll with it right now and just recognize that the reason why I'm making that distinction is because of what I said about how people say, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. This is just how I feel. And I want you to know that because of your faith, you're empowered to actually override the way that you feel because your spirit has more power and authority than your soul. Okay, does that, she's, okay, so I think I hit something on that one. That one, she liked that one. She liked that statement there. There we go. How's everybody else? Are you guys doing okay with the... Yes, even though we're not going to be talking about uh, necessarily the physical body part uh, of our existence tonight, it is making sure that we identify the fact that we're not just human beings. Have you ever heard someone say that we're not human beings having a spiritual experience, but we're spirit beings having a human experience? That concept right there is what I'm talking about tonight, is that who you are, the essence of who you are, is you are spirit. 
and your emotions do not reside in that part of you. They reside in the soul part of you, okay? Which is all there, okay? But we're gonna learn how to make a distinction and make it work for our good, okay? All right, so let's see if we can get a little more clarity as we continue to go on. Remember, emotions are there to be regulated and calibrated by the word. So we want to line everything up with what we're feeling by what the word says. So let's see what the next slide says here. It's not that your feelings are invalid, okay? Remember, they're a gift from God. But they can often be very unreliable. Again, they're unreliable because they reside in the soul. The soul is not saved, okay? It still has that exposure to the sin nature that exists in this world, so it's being influenced by the world that we live in, your, your emotions are, okay? Therefore, they are subject to imperfection and can be easily misunderstood. Every one of us in this room have had an experience where what we're feeling is not lining up with what we're experiencing, okay? And what I mean by that is that the enemy will often manipulate our feelings and distort them in such a way that they no longer reflect the truth. And one of the things that we identified in week one is that the truth is everything that this word says. And for us to be able to master our emotions. We're going to have to really know what this word says to be able to identify when those emotions are out of line. So there's a difference between what is truth and what is fact. And when I go through those points right um, as an example, it may give you some more insight about how this distinction is taking place and what we're talking about here. But again, emotions, they're so unreliable. They're just, they can I don't depend. There's a part in the series when we come up here where we're going to be talking about uh, have you ever been told don't make a decision when you're like really, really angry or don't say something when you're really angry or really, really sad or really happy? Like if you're on one of those extremes, one or the other, you have to regulate yourself, right? And line yourself back up and make sure that what you're doing and what you're saying is lining up with what is truth, okay? So with that being said, let me just highlight this last part here. It says, remember that there's a difference between what is truth and what is fact. What do I mean by that? Here's an example. If any of you are right now experiencing any type of sickness in your body, that is a fact. Faith does not deny the facts, okay? But the truth is that by his stripes, we are healed. Remember, that's the word. So what you are supposed to do is confess the truth, not, and when I mean by confess, meaning I don't want you to deny if you're sick, and you say, no, I'm not sick. I want you to confess, meaning I want you to declare, right? That, get, that has an authority and a power to it. Declare the truth. I always say when people ask me, are you sick? And I say, I'm actually waiting for my healing to manifest. You can deduce from that what I mean when I say that, okay? So a lot of times I do not want to empower those facts and give them that type of authority by claiming them. That's the other thing I don't do. I never say that, oh, my 
migraine or my sickness or whatever it is, I, it's not mine. It does not belong to me. It is trespassing where it does not belong. And so what you have to do is really be careful. And I'm kind of getting ahead of some of this, and you'll see it come up later on where our words are very important in helping us manage our emotions. So that's a little uh, a preview of what's coming up here. But it could be the same thing with lack. Let's just say that it's a, it's a fact that we've all experienced lack at some point, meaning we know many people, and we've been there ourselves, where we might have said, you know, looking at our bank accounts, mm, I'm broke, right? Oh boy, I'm broke, I'm broke. How do you think your faith feels about you declaring something that goes against the word that says, right, you are blessed beyond measure or every need of yours is, is met, that you're the head and not the tail, the, the lender and not the borrower. Like, that is a contradiction. We're talking about conflict management here, right? So, it's a fact that the bank account has less zeros after the whole number than I want it to have. But the truth is that my God shall supply all of my needs. So I remember for, um, when I was starting my business, I had to be very particular about how I budgeted my funds in order to sacrifice what I needed to get what I wanted. So instead of saying, and you guys can feel free, if you're taking notes, this is one thing you want to take notes on tonight. Instead of saying, I can't afford that, I always say, I'm choosing to allocate my funds for other resources. Doesn't that sound very, very sort of like, you know, technical and all, you know, rich? <laughs> you know, and it's really, it sounds funny and it sounds all, you know, technical, but really, we're doing exactly what God is telling us to do. We're just speaking the truth, not just the facts. And the more you speak the truth, the more it will cause your facts to line up, okay? So the more you speak about your healing, more than you speak about that sickness, that sickness eventually is going to go away. The more you speak about your needs being met, the more you're going to see lack disappear. Okay, so I'm really hoping that some of these fundamental things are going to help you be empowered when you leave here today because you're connecting it to not just words on a page, right, but practical application of how to live by your faith. So speak the truth. Don't deny the facts. Just don't empower them by speaking about them more than you do the truth. There's one more thing I want to highlight here about truth versus fact that I'm looking in my notes. Same thing applies to temptation. I said earlier that we've all said at one point in time that I just couldn't help myself with whatever it was. You know, if we're talking about, um, you know, maybe being on a diet and we just crashed on that and we just splurged and, you know, ate all kinds of junk we shouldn't have ate. Well, it may be a fact that you were tempted to go against what it is that you said you were going to do or needed to do, but the truth is that God's word says that there isn't a single temptation that you will ever face that he hasn't already given you the way of escape for. Okay, so no longer can we say, I couldn't help myself. No longer can we say that it's too much for me to handle when God's word says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Do you see the difference between that dichotomy there? That's the only, you know, piece there that I think can really help us be empowered and proactive in creating change. There's a difference. 
Just like with faith and foolishness. Okay, you're experiencing sickness. Go to the doctor. Do what you got to do. Take your medicine, but declare your healing. Expect your healing, okay? And don't take ownership of those things. Don't, don't claim it, okay, as, as yours by putting that, that pronoun my in front of it. So, with that, is that clear? Is that part resonating with you guys there on that difference between what is truth and what is fact? Feelings that, okay, they're there to kind of show us, you know, which way to go or assess our lives and that kind of thing, but we cannot give them full access and full authority and full power. The only thing that has full access and full of power in our lives is the Word of God. Amen? All right, so let's go on to our next slide here. It's very important and this will probably help you too, because what I'm saying, I know it's easy for me to say, but none of this God is expecting us to do in our own strength, okay? You cannot master and have faith rule over your emotions without the help of the Holy Spirit, okay? You will need God's help. Everything that he tells us to do, even if he says it's our responsibility to do it, he still expects us to depend on him to help us do it, okay? And that's one of the things I had to learn in eradicating the spirit of pride, you know, because I was like, oh no, Lord, I'm supposed to be doing this and I'm supposed to be doing this. He said, yes, but you're supposed to be doing it with my help. So let's, you know, partner together here so that you don't have to toil in doing that. Don't try to attempt to do it in your own strength. Learning how to deny your flesh and any feeling or emotion that goes against the spirit of God and the character of God. How we do that is what we're going to talk about a little bit later. Specifically, I'm going to give you guys a seven-step strategic plan on how you can master your emotions and fulfill or manifest the promises of God in your life. But before we go there, this is the point where I usually have my uh, whiteboard, my little whiteboard and things like that, because I like to... Uh, right on there and keep us focused on going that because I want to talk about the different types of emotions we experience. And when I went to write this out, I was in awe, even though I kind of knew it, but I was subconsciously not really aware of the fact that if we were to all name different types of emotions we experience, there's so many more negative ones than there are positive ones. And I was like, oh, that's, I don't like that, you know, but it goes to show why we have such a hard time in dealing with our emotions. So the next slide here, let's just kind of run through. Um, this was just my first attempt here, of, again, of just things that came to mind about the different types of ex uh, emotions that we experience. And what's the number one emotion on this list here? Fear. No matter where, I started doing things online, researching, it was always the number one emotion that came up more often than not was fear. And I said, wow, okay, so I won't be able to get into it in depth tonight, but I'm hoping by the time this series ends, we're going to talk about why this one here, fear, is such a dominant emotion that we experience. But look at this. We recognize, or we experience things like fear, condemnation, disappointment, frustration, anger, obsession, infatuation, hurt, humiliation, lust, anxiety, panic, rage, pride, worry, sadness, agitation, grief, loneliness, jealousy, envy, bitterness, resentment, hate, confusion, 
regret. I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired already. Oh, this is weighing me down. Okay, we got to get to some good stuff here. Let's see, I left off on regret, shame, insecurity, sympathy, guilt, depression. Okay, here's some good ones. Gratitude, <laughs> confidence, caring, or empathy, pleasure, affection, attraction, passion, happiness, cheerfulness, excitement, and contentment. So I think there's probably a, I don't know what, like a seven to 10 ratio on this thing here, or, you know, there's specific, excuse me, specifically two emotions that are not listed on here that maybe you thought of that you don't seek. Does anybody know um, what emotion is missing from here on the positive side? on the positive side. So the ones at the bottom were more so love, okay, that was one. And there's one more. Joy. Joy, there you go. You cheat. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought you were looking at it on your phone. But joy, right? And the reason why I point that out is because I purposely left joy off of this list and I put happiness up there because that's one that a lot of times people, they'll interchange those two words, joy and happiness, and they really are two separate and distinct uh, experiences. Joy is not, for me, and from what I've learned biblically speaking, joy is not an emotion. Okay, joy is another one of the nine gifts of the fruit of the Spirit that we have been given, but I like to teach it more as joy being a, a condition of the heart, right? It is one of those constants that remains, whereas happiness, like all the other emotions, fluctuates depending on external circumstances. But your joy is something that should be, remain fixed regardless of what's going on around you because your joy comes from the Lord and he is always with you and he does not change, right? So joy is what we want to have in operation at all times, even though our happiness may go up and down. But look at this list and think for yourself, how often are you experiencing any number of these emotions on a daily basis? You know, some people have been stuck in emotions for a long, long time. And my hope is that a breakthrough will come when you realize, again, that you're empowered to change those. So again, there's probably m more that we could list, but I'm almost certain that we will not hit where the positives outweigh the negatives, which is why we can just throw all that to the side anyway and say that's why we live by faith. Exactly, there you go. So um, when we were talking earlier about how feelings will, uh, will lie to you or they can be mis misconstrued and not really be an accurate indication of what's going on, that number one fear, that's one where you're having an experience or an emotion based on something that hasn't even happened yet. So you see how unreliable and unpredictable that can be. Same thing with this, um, the reason why love, whoever mentioned love, was left off this list because a lot of times people confuse that love with lust kind of thing. And that, again, love is something that is a condition of the heart because God is love, it's unchanging. And they misconstrue something and they think it's love and it's really lust. 
you know. So you really have to be able to identify the source of your emotions and recognize that they're there to give you an indication. They're, they're like a warning signal that goes off and it says, okay, you know what, if we're frustrated, there's a reason why we're frustrated. Let's get into the word and find out how we can line ourselves up and start operating in peace and not frustration. Or whatever the case may be, if it's fear, there's a, there's a lack of trust going on, right? So we need to find us a scripture that is going to help us stand on that promise that we should be able to fear not. Um, and I think, like I said, probably in, as we go into week three, there will be some overlap and there'll be an illumination of some of this stuff that will help you to digest it and get more of an understanding. Because like with fear, and we're talking about not letting negative emotions sort of rule you, it's hard to come face to face with something in the natural that's threatening or intimidating or scary and not feel fear, right? That's just, it's a human emotion. But the reason why God says fear not, and then at the same time says take courage, it's because in spite of feeling the fear, your faith will help you move forward. Okay, so I don't want you to get caught up in the fact that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm in sin or I'm not in God's will if I'm feeling fear. That only becomes sin if you let that fear stop you from operating by faith. Okay, so again, this is just us going to a new level in mastery of this information and help, having a intentional participation in what's going on in our lives. So I think with that, I have two questions that I want to ask you guys on this next slide here. It says, how can we master our emotions so that they don't contaminate or short-circuit our faith, and what impact does this battle between our emotions and our faith have on our destiny? Basically, what's the big deal, right? What's the big deal? Emotions, you know, why do we have to talk about that? What's the big deal? Faith versus feelings. It's a very, very, very big deal. And what I want to do very quickly is go through this seven-step process that I was telling you about, and that's on the next slide here. So this is where I'm hoping you guys will get a good nugget of stuff to take home with you to digest on, right? So this is going to be, if you write down just these seven steps, the fillers, you'll have to go back and listen to the tape to get the details on this. But this starts with how do we reach our destiny? Bless you. If we do not master our emotions, we're going to, midway through this process of trying to achieve success and fulfill the promises of God, we're going to hit a roadblock, okay? And those feelings or those emotions are a roadblock. What we want to recognize is that everything starts in our minds, okay? The thought. So that's why this word says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the way this thing works is first we get a thought in our head, okay? It could be a good thought. It could be a bad thought, but it starts with a thought. After that thought comes to your head, ladies and gentlemen, then there's a word or words that come out of your mouth. You start speaking about that thought. Let's just say the thought comes to my head and the thought is, I'm tired. But I thought it first and then I spoke it. So now, all of a sudden, 
once those words go into the atmosphere, right here, right then, that's where it's either going to be. You guys have heard of the fight or flight syndrome, right? Right here is where the faith versus feelings component of this diagram comes in at because your thoughts lead to the words that you speak. The words that you speak lead to how you feel. And if how you're feeling goes against what God's word says, right then and there is where you need to activate your faith. Because the next four steps after that are going to be determined on what outcome you get. And I'll show you. So let's say we start with the thought that comes to our mind, oh, I'm tired. And then I go to work and I'm telling everybody. They say, how you doing? Oh, I'm just so tired. I'm tired. Not only am I tired, I'm what? I'm sick and tired, right? <laughs> okay, so now we're sick and tired, and we're thinking about it, and we're talking about it. So how do you think we feel, right? Probably one of those negative emotions that we were talking about earlier. We are going to feel very out of line with God's word. And if we continue on the feelings aspect of it, those feelings are going to lead to the decisions that we make. Maybe the decision that we make after that is, I ain't going to work tomorrow, right? I'm just not going. So that's a decision that I made. I may have thought it, spoke about it, and felt about it, but the next step, step five says, taking action. Maybe I actually literally don't go into work tomorrow. And maybe I don't go into work the day after that, <laughs> right? So now we've gone from feeling to decisions to actions, and actions that are repeated over and over again lead to habits, right? So now you just have a bad habit of not going to work when you don't feel like it because the thought comes to your head and you gave into it, right? So right then and there, we have just skirted the whole process of getting to our destiny because those habits, if they're not good habits, they're going to lead to a a character development that isn't Christ-like, and we know that our mission is to develop Christ-like character. So let's just back this up really quickly and start from the top, but use it from the positive aspect, okay? So let's say we know that it's so important to manage our thought life. So we need to be very cautious about what we are plugging into let's just say, on a daily basis? What are you exposing yourself to? Because that's going to affect the way you think. Based on what you think on the most is what you're going to start to speak about the most. And your words, ladies and gentlemen, have transformative and creative power, both for good and for bad. Okay, so let's choose the good, and let's say we're going to think good thoughts, we're going to speak good words, and the best word to speak is the scripture, right? So if we're confessing the scripture, we're confessing the word, now our faith is charged up, right? So whether we feel like it or not, we say and we declare that I may be tired, but again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or whatever the case may be that, again, is a promise. That's where you want to, on step three, activate the faith. And if you do, and you have the faith, to make a decision based on something that goes completely against how you feel, that 
goes against even what you can see because you're trusting God. You know what? I'm trusting that you're going to give me the strength and the energy or whatever it is, the wisdom that I need to get through this day and be a blessing to someone. I'm going to take the leap of faith and I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to this job that I don't like. And I'm making that decision. I'm making that decision today by faith. And I'm going to go and I'm going to go every day until you, you know, release me from this. And so I'm taking action day after day after day. Now I have developed a habit of going to where these first few steps now are just automatic, okay? And you have that good habit. Now I can say that my good habits have led me to develop a character that has now empowered me and allowed me to walk in victory instead of defeat, okay? So it's a little bit... Uh, it's a seven-step process that has a lot of more detail than what we're going into tonight, but I wanted to, again, just give you those nuggets to be able to digest on, to think about, like I said, what's the big deal? The big deal is your success and your victory is depending on step three, on whether or not you decide to act by your feelings or by your faith. And whenever you find yourself in a situation and it's not lining up with what God says, you can use this seven-step process to back up backtrack and course correct. For instance, if you have a challenge, let's say, with uh, making wise decisions, let's just say you don't always make the best decisions, right? Well, if that's the case, then you need to go back and recognize that when you make those decisions, were you making them based on how you felt at the time, or were you making them based on your faith, right? And that's going to help you lead to, well, what was I saying at the time that all this went down, you know? And what was I thinking about when all of this went down? So it's just gonna give you sort of an outlook or a map on how you can take control of where you are on your, on your course and on your path to your destiny with regards to your faith and your feelings. Now, with all that being said, there's some homework coming. And I want you guys to be excited about the homework, you know, because I know it's a little bit of a, um, a lot to digest, but here's what I want to do is I want to give you guys an action plan again tonight. I want to give you guys an action plan to take with you, and I think that when you pray on this action plan and you put the things that we've put into, uh, that we talked about tonight into application, the revelation is going to be much, much deeper for you. So the first thing I want you guys to do is identify the root cause of some of your dominant feelings, okay? Is it something stemming from unresolved issues in your past? Is there deep-seated unresolved anger, hurt, or confusion? Basically, this is where I talk about we all have to do that self-examination, right? You know what you're dealing with right now. God knows. Go to him and say, Lord, you know, I am really struggling with X, Y, and Z, help me to identify what the root cause of some of those dominant feelings are. Okay, so the first step is identify, because you can't fix what you don't acknowledge. That's step one. You cannot fix what you do not acknowledge. Step two is very important, too, and I had to learn this one the hard way. Recognize how much your physical or biological conditions influence your emotional responses. Okay, so that could mean you know, are you having issues with hormone changes, low blood sugar changes, lack of proper sleep, irritability, 
or exhaustion, those are examples, again, where your emotions can be, again, way out of whack. Y'all know, what's this new term that they have right now called hangry? Where if you're hungry and you're, you know, haven't gotten any sleep or whatever, you're angry, right? We get angry when we're hungry. We don't make good decisions when we're sleep deprived, okay? We don't. We really, really don't. And so we have to recognize, are there some physical conditions or biological conditions that are influencing our emotional responses? Okay, recognize that so that you can then make the adjustments appropriately. All right, so um, identify the root causes of your dominant feelings. Recognize what is influencing your emotional responses. I'm going to go to the next slide here. Number three, recognize how much of your feelings or emotions are connected to your personality or your temperament. Okay? This is important. This is relevant because a lot of times, again, we don't, we think in emotions we're just sort of come as it will. There's a lot of things that influence that, and that could be part of your personality or your temperament. I know a lot of people that are just, as they say, what, naturally happy, and you look at those people and you go, oh gosh, please, what is this? You know, you just wake with this new term. I just woke up like this. It's just like, no, okay. You know, and then there's some people that just seem to be angry all the time or just bitter all the time or this kind of thing, and I'm thinking, okay, you have to recognize what part of that comes from temperament or personality, or easygoing. There's some people that it doesn't matter what happens. They're always just like, ah, eh, you know, let it roll off my back or this, or any little thing can make somebody else just fly off the handle. What about you? What are your triggers, right? That's number four. Recognize what your emotional triggers are. What sets you off for the good or for the bad, right? Are you naturally cheerful or optimistic, easygoing, laid back? Passionate, analytical, melancholy, reserved, adaptable, shy, quiet, outgoing, assertive, or argumentative. Again, just a few things to put out there for you to start looking at yourself so that you can take control over what's going on in your life. Recognizing your emotional triggers. Sometimes people <laughs> are our emotional triggers. There are certain people that can walk into your space and all of a sudden that happy-go-lucky, fun-going person, that happiness that you were experiencing just gets shut down, you know. Or the opposite, you could be having a bad day and a certain person could walk in and all of a sudden now your joy is back, right? Or your happiness is back and that kind of thing. So sometimes it's people, sometimes it's environments, certain situations, I know there's certain places I can go, and if I'm feeling down, as soon as I walk into, and I will not say where it's at, but <laughs> if I walk into, let's just say, I don't know, whatever your favorite store is or your favorite restaurant, you eat your favorite meal, whatever it is, right? There's environmental influences as well as people influences that will either exacerbate or facilitate the development of, it says negative emotions here, but it could be a positive emotions too. And that's the goal. You want to be around people and be in environments that are going to help you master the expression of more positive emotions than negative emotions. And when you do that, you are going to be able to go through that seven-step seven process in 
obtaining your success and reaching your destiny and your future as a believer. So this is the, the action plan for next week for you guys to think about. Take everything we've learned from week one about just what the basics of faith is, right? Combine it with what we learned tonight about how your feelings are going to influence that, and then be ready to come back next week, and we're going to talk about taking positive emotions combined with faith so that we can get results. We're going to talk about moving mountains and slaying giants next week with our faith. Does that sound good? Okay. So with that being said, before I leave the floor, I just wanted to know if anybody had any quick last-minute questions. Um, I can answer that for you, or like I said, if you want to, I suggest just get with someone, maybe exchange notes, listen back if it's on the website, and just be praying and asking God, because the best teacher is the Holy Spirit, and he will reveal to you what it is, whatever that you know. I'm just a vessel, and I'm an imperfect vessel, but whatever it is that you need, God's got you. Amen? Amen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your time tonight.